0: Welcome to HSBC Global Viewpoint, the podcast series that brings together business leaders and industry experts to explore the latest global insights, trends, and opportunities. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes. Thanks for listening.
1: And now on to today's show. You're listening to The Macro Viewpoint, our weekly look at key views coming from our team of economists and strategists here at HSBC Global Research. We recorded this podcast on the 21st of July. And of course, All of the associated disclosures and disclaimers must be viewed on the link attached to your media player. Hello, I'm Piers Butler in London, and I'm joined by our managing editor, Elin van Dyne, on the line this week from Holland. We've just had the ECB raise interest rates by 50 basis points. It's the first increase in 11 years and double the increase telegraphed by the ECB. Our European economist, Fabio Balboni, will be joining us to review the rate increase.
2: We've also had two political dramas unfolding this week, and they too have economic implications. Italian Prime Minister Mario Draghi says he's resigning. Fabio will no doubt have a view on that too. And in the UK, the race for a replacement for Conservative Prime Minister Boris Johnson is underway. Senior economist Liz Martins joins us to look back at a week in which not only temperatures broke all the records. First, though, let's hear more about the ECB.
1: Fabio, welcome to the podcast.
3: Thank you. So 50 basis points, that was a bit of a shock. Yeah, well, indeed, it was a, a bit of a surprise. Um, the ECB had uh, told us very explicitly back uh, in June uh, that they would have raised rate by 25 basis points um, at the July Meeting Uh, Indeed, at the time, we thought it was uh, unusual to be so explicit uh, uh, about something they would have only been able to deliver six uh, weeks later and under such a situation of economic uncertainty. Um, Earlier in the week, uh, uh, there was uh, um, some reports in the newswire suggesting uh, that in fact the ACB uh, might have been uh, willing to consider uh, a larger rate rise, and we thought there were good reasons for that. Um, For one, uh, inflation had been, again, surprising to the upside, uh, raising to another all-time high of 8.6% in June in the eurozone. Uh, The euro has depreciated uh, further, uh, at some point hitting parity with the dollar, which will put further pressure on inflation in the future. So uh, a bigger than expected rate rise could have helped tame some of those impression pressures uh, and also shore up the euro a little bit. So the ECB delivered on that. Uh, In the end, uh, it came down to uh, the credibility of their forward guidance providing back in June uh, against the risk of lagging further behind in tackling inflation. And then they decided for a more aggressive mood. Uh, And indeed, as a result of that, they also decided to drop uh, rates guidance altogether. They uh, didn't tell us anything about what they tend to do in September. Uh, And we now, however, still expect that the ECB will deliver a 50 basis point rise in September, uh, given that we think that inflation could again surprise to the upside uh, in the summer. And we also saw the approval of the transmission protection instrument. What's the background to that? Well, the background to that is that we've seen uh, uh, increasing risk of uh, market fragmentation across the eurozone, uh, since the ECB effectively signaled uh, its willingness uh, to uh, tighten monetary policy and even more so since the ECB uh, ended all asset purchases. So, of course, with widening spread at some point in mid-June, we saw the spread uh, of the 10-year Italian sovereign bonds against the boon rising to over 250 basis points. It becomes very difficult to, for the ECB to be able to deliver on those rate rises because monetary uh, conditions are already tightening uh, uh, very fast in Peru countries so tackling uh, and being able to limit spread widen is a key precondition for the ECB to be able to uh, increase rates uh, in mid-june they are already starting to tackle the problem uh, by allow uh, reinvestments under pep to be redeployed flexibly across the jurisdictions, and we've seen that tool been implemented since the 1st of July, but that's not enough. So today the ECB uh, announced a new tool, the transmission protection instrument, which in theory should uh, give uh, the ECB unlimited power to be able to protect protect the transmission mechanism across uh, all jurisdictions and therefore reduce the risk of fragmentation in the future. And how will it work in practice? Well, uh, there are still many open questions. Some details were revealed today. Some uh, were left unsaid, as uh, Christine Lagarde put uh, uh, in the meeting. Um, So, as I said, it should be an unlimited tool. It will um, have the ability to purchase uh, assets under any jurisdiction, but with some uh, conditions. Those conditions are relating particularly to four issues. One is that a country has to meet European fiscal rules. Uh, Two is that a country should not have excessive macro imbalances. Three is that a country should be in line uh, with uh, the on track, rather, with the um, implementation of the recovery and resilience plan uh, under the Next Generation EU Fund. And fourth, uh, that there should be a positive debt sustainability analysis. Uh, and in any case, uh, uh, the final judgment will be made by the governing council. And here, the most important issue is being able to distinguish uh, what is uh, an uh, unwarranted widening of the spread uh, as opposed to a warranted widening of the spread. The ACB would only be able to intervene uh, in case there is the former But if instead a spread widening is due because of underlying fiscal issues, for instance, then the ECB would not be able to intervene. So uh, in in any case, this is uh, for us an example of uh, creative ambiguity by the ECB. So the ECB is uh, hoping by announcing uh, large enough numbers uh, and a very complex series of conditions under which uh, uh, such instrument will be able to deploy that the market uh, will not be willing to test it. Uh, but we suspect that indeed uh, the market might um, question uh, the ability of the ECB to intervene, particularly considering uh, what has happened in recent week uh, in Italy with the ongoing political instability and some uh, of the uh, widening of the spreads uh, that we have seen there.
1: In that respect, we've just seen the Prime Minister Mario Draghi resign today. What's the outlook for the country after that?
3: Well, absolutely. This was a very surprising turn of events. Uh, Italy looked set uh, to have uh, um, elections uh, at the end of the normal term, uh, next spring, uh, But things unraveled pretty quickly. The Mario Draghi government lost the support of uh, uh, key allies uh, um, and then uh, the Prime Minister resigned uh, uh, earlier today, and uh, later on uh, the President dissolved Parliament, uh, so Italy will now have elections, uh, uh, early election on 25th of September. So obviously that creates a situation of uh, political stability against the backdrop of uh, significant challenging challenges already facing uh, uh, the country with economic growth slowing, uh, significant energy crisis, Italy's hit particularly hardest uh, by uh, the uh, slower flow of gas from Russia, given its high reliance on uh, uh, Russian gas uh, imports, uh, and also situ- a difficult fiscal situation, of course, uh, with a very high debt GDP level, in excess of 150% um, resulting from the pandemic. So uh, the situation of political uncertainty The early election leaves uh, the country in a difficult situation. There are some immediate implications, such as, for example, that uh, um, even a new government should not be able to agree a budget in time before the end of the year. Uh, There are some uh, uh, important deadlines under the recovery and resilience plans to unlock the next uh, 19 billion euro payments to be met by the end of the year that most likely at this stage will be missed, uh, and therefore, as I said, this also has implication for the ECB because uh, uh, it could make it very hard for the ECB to gauge that uh, uh, the recent widening of the Italian spreads uh, um, that we have seen is uh, indeed uh, warranted, as uh, at least a part of it seems related to rising political risk and some underlying challenging facing the economy, uh, and as a result as a result of that, uh, it seems unlikely that the ECB will be able to use uh, these new tools to counter uh, the, the recent spread widening. And as a result of that, we can continue, see, we can continue to see a situation of uh, tensions uh, in the sovereign bond uh, market lasting uh, through the summer, and uh, in all likelihood uh, until the elections will take place.
1: On certain times ahead. Fabio, thank you very much for joining us.
3: Thank you.
2: So we turn to the UK now, where this week inflation is surging, real wages are declining, and the UK's ruling party is searching for a new leader after the resignation recently of Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Our senior economist Liz Martins joins us to help make sense of it all. Liz, welcome. Thank you. So let's start with the inflation rate and the impact on real wages.
0: Yeah, so this week, we had the uh, inflation number for June, which was 9.4% year on year for the CPI measure. That's a fresh 40 year high within that food price inflation was up 9.8% year on year, and household energy bills up 70% uh, year on year. Um, And that really reflects soaring wholesale gas prices and and the moves we've seen in in commodities. So uh, more Uh, record-breaking stuff on inflation, and wages aren't keeping pace. So we also had the labour market data, um, that was for May, um, and that showed at least on the regular pay measure, so excluding bonuses, in real terms, pay fell by 2.8%, and that was the biggest fall on record. So consumers in the UK really are being squeezed at the moment.
2: And Liz, what does that backdrop mean for the Bank of England?
0: Well, we know the Bank of England is going to raise interest rates again at their meeting on the 4th of August. The question now is whether they raise by 25 basis points, as they have been doing in the last few meetings, or whether they consider that the conditions have been filled for what they call a more forceful uh, move, i.e. a move by 50 basis points. And if we look around the world, we've seen central banks moving in larger increments. Of course, the Fed's done 75. The ECB opened its tightening cycle with 50 basis points. Um, So I guess the risks are that the BOE does opt for a bigger move and go with 50 as well.
2: Liz, let's turn to politics. The race is on for a Boris Johnson successor. Where are we in that process now?
0: So Conservative MPs voted uh, this week for the final two candidates, so the shortlist is down to two. Uh, That's former Chancellor Rishi Sunak uh, and the current Foreign Secretary uh, Liz Truss. Now that moves now to the Conservative Party membership who will do a postal vote to decide which of those will become our next prime minister. And the result for that will be announced on the 5th of September.
2: Now, there seems to be a lot of focus on the economy in this race. Is there actually much of a difference in terms of what the candidates are proposing?
0: There is actually. So uh, Liz Truss is saying she wants to uh, help with the cost of living by cutting taxes. She wants to reverse the national insurance hike that we had last April. She wants to cancel a planned tax hike on corporation tax coming next April. And she also wants to get rid of the green energy levy uh, paid by households. Um, Now, Rishi Sunak says, actually cutting taxes is the wrong thing to do at the moment. that will only stoke demand push inflation higher, potentially push interest rates higher still and ends up prolonging the problem. So it's a live debate. I think we'll be hearing uh, lots more on over the coming weeks. But at the moment, it's Liz Truss that seems to be appealing more uh, to uh, the voters, the Conservative Party members who will decide which one of them becomes prime minister. Um, The polls of those members suggest that she's ahead and the betting odds also uh, favour her. Interestingly, though, if we look at polls of the wider general public, i.e. outside of the Conservative Party, it looks as though Rishi Sunak might be more likely to win an election, beat the Labour Party, uh, than Ms Trust. So it will be very interesting uh, to watch over the coming weeks.
2: Liz, you've talked us through a lot. Thank you so much for the updates. Thank you.
1: So that's our view on the UK and the European landscape in this edition. Many thanks again to Fabio Barboni and Liz Martins for making themselves available during such a busy week here at HSBC Global Research. We'll be back next week.
0: Thank you for joining us at HSBC Global Viewpoint. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes.